Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. It is good to see you today and all our regulars. Uh, just a few things of importance uh, that I want to share with you today before we get started. I want to reiterate, please, please keep the moving down to a minimum. If you get up from the front while I'm preaching and you get, just come in the back. Just sit down somewhere in the back. Today there's a few seats in the back. You can find a seat there. But I don't want you to be a distraction today because, and I know you don't want to be a distraction, because God wants to do something in this house this morning. Did you hear what I said? God wants to do something in this house this morning. He's given me a word. Today I want to share something with you real quick, though. Some Two things, if you probably heard that I said I had two announcements that I wanted to make. And I don't, listen, I prayed, I prayed this week. I said, Lord, don't let those people in that church discourage me. Lord, when I tell this good announcement, I don't want them to just sit there and just look at me. Because, Lord, that'd make me sad. You know, I'm a... I, you know, Lord, I don't want to get my hip feelings hurt today right before I preach. So uh, I want you to act excited even if you aren't excited, okay? And uh, it'll be, everything will be good. But I think you're going to be excited. This Thursday, we sat down at the bank and we were able to sign the last thing that needed to be signed for our closing on our loan, for our expansion, and Hope House. So... We are extremely excited about that. Y'all didn't hurt my feelings. Yay! Praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, let me just tell you how far we've come. Maybe you don't know. But uh, when, I, when I came to this church, this church was under foreclosure. So the, the idea of thinking, here we go, getting ready to build and expand and build Hope House, a place for women to be able to come who are struggling with addiction and can be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And to just think about that and what God has, where God has brought us from. And to think about this, that through this COVID pandemic stuff, that God has been faithful, and you have been faithful, and we are going to, listen, I want to tell somebody right now, I want to just, and I want to serve notice on the devil. Satan, you thought you had us, but you didn't have us. This setback was just a setup for a comeback. Hear me, somebody? And the best days of Remnant Church are ahead of us, not behind us. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. And, and God moved in such a way in the, y'all, in the bank. God moved in such a way. There was such a spirit of God moving in the, in the room where we were at that the, the loan officer said, hey, can we, before we leave, can we pray together? Can we, <laughs> can we pray? I said, yeah. Absolutely. So we closed out and prayed. We were in this room 
me and uh, a few people here from the church uh, came with me to, to document it, that, that it happened, and and uh, we were able to pray, so we were excited about that. Um, we uh, First thing we done was write a check for the steel, because it's a steel building, and steel prices are fluctuating up and down and all that, so we were able to go ahead and write a check to, for them to go ahead and order that steel, so uh, just get ready, be looking out, they're going to be pushing and moving dirt and all that stuff, so we're excited about that. And uh, not because it's just the two buildings, not, not because of that, because of what, of what God is going to do through those buildings and in those buildings. And that's what I'm talking about. From the get-go, from the very get-go, I told you we're not building a, we're not building a cathedral, a, a cathe I can't even say it, y'all. A cathedral, we're building a barn because that's where you put the harvest. That's where the harvest goes in. The harvest goes in the barn, amen. So we're excited about that. And then the next thing I want to share with you, and I know what time it is. I got done actually kind of early, early to this morning. So uh, I know what time it is, but I got one more announcement I want to share with you. This is something very dear to my heart, and I want you to listen really quick. I'll try to be quick with it, but God has been, we have been in individuals, and that's how this thing works. We've been experiencing revival. I have had certain people, different people come up to me, pastor, and say, God, it's just moving in my life, and, 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 and I, I just, I've got to go, I've got to do, I want more of Jesus, and that's how it happens. It happens in lives of individuals, and God's been moving in my life, and, and I've told several people that I have been experiencing revival in, in my own life, and uh, so... Uh, God has been stirring something and moving something. In six years, uh, and I've been here six years, we've never had uh, a revival. And that's because I want to be careful with words. Uh, revival isn't just a series of services where you invite someone to come and speak. No, revival is on a spiritual level. It's something that only God can do. And it, 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 revival revives the church, the lukewarm church. And then when we are revived, then we see a move of God sweep our community, our region, and quite possibly, y'all, our world. I believe that's how big God is. Some of you would say, well, pastor, I don't know if you should think that highly of yourselves. Well, God likes to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He, he showed up in an ordinary place to ordinary people in the first century church in Acts chapter 2, and he done extraordinary things. And uh, so God has really been dealing with me about revival and about awakening. And uh, I had this guy who attends our church here, and uh, he goes to the 9 o'clock service, and he said, Pastor, I want to have a meeting with you. Mike said, I want to have a meeting with you. I said, okay. Uh, that's fine. We got here at the same time. This was about a month ago. We got here at the same time. And he, I said, come on to my office. He said, no. He said, I don't want to go to your office. He said, I want you to go. I want to go for a ride. I said, okay. So I hopped in the truck and we went for a ride. And uh, we went to this, um, this place. Hey, can you make that play again where it's not just steel? And uh, we went for a ride. And this is where we went. We went to this place. Whoa, we're going fast. Woo! Okay. We went to this place called the Okefenokee Holiness Camp. Have you ever been there? You don't know nothing about it. I heard about it, but I'd never been there. 
and it had been, it's been dilapidated. It was kind of run down, and uh, for several years, nothing ever went on. It was dedicated in 1947 to be used as a place for ministry. They would have camp meetings and like a youth camp and different things like that, but for several years now, nobody's done anything with it, and Mike somehow wound up uh, on the board of this thing, and, and uh, uh, they, their goal was to get it usable again and then use it for ministry. And uh, so um, he said, he said, I want to take you to this place. And he took me. Well, he wanted me to preach next year sometime at, for a 75th, their 75th year anniversary or whatever. And I said, yeah, man, sure, no problem. You don't have to twist my arm to preach, I'll preach. And uh, so, uh, but I said, but man, I feel something on this property. Like I like, I, I just feel God, and I'm not trying to sound too super spiritual, but when I walked on the property, I thought, man, I seen the, it ain't much to look at, but what I seen was more than what you can just see. You see what I'm saying? And when I seen this outdoor tabernacle with no walls, it's an outdoor, it's got a covering, but it has no walls. I thought, that's exactly what God is wanting to do. You see, God cannot be limited to a church building inside the four walls of a church and I just thought about this and I said let me look around and, and, I, and, and I talked to him a little bit and I said listen I said uh, I'm on, I'll preach for the 75th anniversary I said that's, that's sure that's, that's right but I, I mean that's fine but I want to do something before then I feel something stirring in my heart I said I feel something stirring in my heart and, uh, and I told him I said I'd like to do something maybe in October and he said, well, I don't know, Pastor. He said, because they got a board and everything. And I said, well, okay. I don't care. I'll talk to him." And he said, I said, okay, I'll set you up a time to talk to him." I said, that'd be great. Well, I set up a time. She set up a time. It was on a Saturday. Y'all, I'm not, I'm not a good, I'm not a speaker. I'm a preacher, okay? And I don't, there was a, if you get a crowd of any size and you give me the floor, on accident, I'm going to start preaching. And I got there, and there was a few people, and we were under this thing. And I started sharing vision with what, about what God, I thought, was wanting to do for this region and this community. And I began to share my heart, and I began to preach. <laughs> and I got excited. And after I got done, I said, I said, okay, I, I'm done. I wasn't trying to preach. And uh, this, I said, but we would really like to use your facilities, and we'd really like to use it. I'd really like to use it on this day. And uh, he said, okay. He said, well, let, let us talk about it, and uh, we'll get back with you. 30 minutes later, he uh, called me and said, Pastor Caleb, he said, you can use this thing for whatever you want to use it for. And uh, so this is what I want to use it for. God is wanting to move in this region, y'all. But it can't be limited to a church. It can't be limited to remnant church. God wants to do something across denominational. Across denominational backgrounds. Across denominational thoughts and theologies. Where Jesus is lifted up. So we're going to pull down for a week in October. We're going to pull down the banner of remnant church. And we're going to lift up the church. And Jesus, we're believing God is going to move. 
We're going to meet here at this place. You can sit about 400 people under there, but all around it, there ain't no reason why you can't get 1,000 people right there on that property. And I know, I know, don't tell me, I know. Pastor, a lot of preachers, pastors ain't going to get around, they ain't, they ain't going to get in on that with you. Well, I know that better than you do. But this is what God told me. God said there's a pocket of people in this community, in every church, in every body who is hungry for revival. I'm not asking you to come to Remnant Church. This ain't even about Remnant Church. This is about a move of God sweeping this community, sweeping this region where people fall on their knees, cry out to God, and God moves. And as a result, our children are saved, our grandchildren are saved, drug addicts are set free, alcoholics are delivered, and the Holy Ghost moves in our churches once again. Anybody can get excited, anybody want to get excited about that with me? I'm hungry for a move of God. I want you to get behind it. Like I said, it ain't about Remnant Church. We won't be handing out anything that says come to Remnant Church. This will be about coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. So we're going to be talking about it starting tomorrow on, on the social media. Babe, will you hand, hand me that? On social media and all those things. We've already shot some video and stuff. I'll be telling people about it. I really believe, and this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, if this is your will, I said, God, begin to give people vision and dreams about this. And a couple days later, this person that I don't even know uh, told the person that goes to church here, it was her sister or something like that, she said, I don't know if you should tell your preacher this or not, but I think you should. I had a dream last night. And your pastor was standing somewhere. It looked like a church, but I thought it was outside. And he said, the place was packed and the altars were full. And he said, that's all I know. That's all I know. I just thought it was funny because I've never met your pastor before. And she told me this. And I said, no, it ain't funny. That ain't funny. That's God. That's God. That's what I asked God to do. So, what I want you to do is start praying about this. On August, on, excuse me, on the 20th and the 21st, we're going to meet. You remember when we done cover our city a couple of weeks ago? And we covered our city, and we went house to house, and we went and talked to people on the streets. That's what we're going to do on that Friday. I know it's a Friday, so I'm telling you in advance, this is a big deal, y'all. If you can get off, I'm telling you to get off, okay? Because Friday, we're going to go out in our community and we're going, to share, we're going to find people and we're going to share Jesus with people. And then we're going to invite them, hey, come to this night meeting. I don't even know what to call it. I think we're going to call it the move. All I know is I want it to be about Jesus. I don't want it to be about a church. I don't want it to be about a denomination. I want it to be about Jesus. So Friday during the day, we're going to do that, and then we're going to have a meeting Friday night at 7 o'clock there. Holy Ghost meeting, a move of God. 
Saturday, we're going to go back out and we're going to evangelize our city. We're going to share the gospel of Jesus. And then at the end of sharing, we're going to say, hey, and come to this place, to this thing where God's going to move, okay? And then we're going to do that Saturday. We're going to have service Saturday night. We're going to have service here on that Sunday. And then Sunday evening, we're going to close out. And I believe there are hungry people thirsty people. I believe there's lost people that will never walk inside a church but they're going to walk under that building outside and that outdoor tabernacle. They're going to give their lives to Jesus. And I believe y'all, the reason I don't want to call it anything because when you call it something, there has to be a beginning and an end. But I really see there, there, there's a beginning to this but there is no end. There is no end because that's what revival looks like. Revival starts but it doesn't end. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm expecting. God told me, he said, and, and I use that loosely, but I really believe God told me. So I don't. I say it emphatically. Uh, I believe God spoke to me and said, this thing that I'm wanting to do could change this very community. Could change churches. We'll look back on this and say, I remember when this started. I remember when God began this work in us. Remember, it's not about remnant. I know you're going to get behind it because you love me. And you love the vision and you believe in the vision. But this ain't about remnant. This ain't about one church. This is about the church. And I believe we're going to see a move of God. Do you believe that? Yeah. On that Wednesday and Thursday, I've got five missionaries coming who have, from all around the world. And they said, Pastor, I, spoke, I, I talked to Jonathan Abernathy, who's one, our missionary here at Remnant Church, and I, I spoke to him and showed him, told him what we were wanting to do. And... He said, I would like to get some other people involved. He said, I, I have five friends of mine that are missionaries. And they would love to go through Waycross and just share the gospel of Jesus with people. And so they're coming. And they're going to help us on Wednesday and Thursday. On Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to have, we're going to call those empowerment nights where those who are hungry and ready to share the gospel of Jesus, maybe you don't know how, maybe you're scared or timid to, these nights, those Wednesday and Thursday nights, uh, we're going to be poured into. We're going to worship God together. We're going to do like they did in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, where they prayed for boldness, and God gave them holy boldness. And then they went out and they shared the gospel. And when they went to work, Jesus worked with them. Okay, that's on Wednesday and Thursday. Then Friday, we're going to go out. We're going to share the gospel of Jesus. Could you, what would it look like? We had 130 people go about a month ago. What, it, what would it look like if, and I don't want to put any limits on God, but what would it look like if 300 people went out on Friday and Saturday sharing the love of Jesus with our community? You know what would happen? Revival. I'm asking you to get out of your comfort zone. I ain't asking you to do I ain't going to be sitting in my office while y'all are doing it. I'm doing it with you. I'm saying, listen, 
If there was ever a time where we needed a move of God, y'all, it's now. And I just believe if we'll go back and do what they've done in the first century church, we'll see signs and wonders, and we'll see revival, and we'll see an awakening shake this community and region. Do you believe that? Will you stand on your feet with me all across the building? We're going to pray about this real quick. And then if you'll give me 25 minutes, I'll be done. I want us, I've shared vision now. I want us to grab a hold of Jesus by faith. Let me ask you this. You got anybody in your family that needs this move of God? Anybody? Raise your hand. You got somebody that could benefit from this move of God? Do you want to be part of this move of God? If you do, raise your hand. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I need some people to pray with faith now. Lord, we're believing that you, your hand is on this, this move. We're stepping out in faith in the name of Jesus. But something happens when our obedience collides with your Holy power. We're believing for signs and wonders. The greatest sign and the greatest wonder being the salvation. Being salvation. The saving of the lost. We're believing God for deliverance. God, we're believing people are going to be delivered and set free under that tabernacle, God. We're believing, God, that your spirit is going to move out and touch people from other churches. And they're going to go back to their church. And revival fire is going to spread. God, and I believe there won't be room enough in any church in Waycross, Georgia, in Blackshear, Georgia, in Brantley County, God, that'll be, they won't be able to hold the amount of people that are coming in, the lost that are being saved, God. This ain't about remnant church. This is about the church. This isn't about remnant. This is about you, Jesus. And Lord, where we lift you up, you will draw all men to you. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. And if you believe God's going to do something radical and amazing, would you shout amen? Come on, give God a shout of praise. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Malachi. I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis Chapter 3, this morning in our 9 o'clock service, we had three people who gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Three people who'd never received Jesus before uh, gave their lives to Christ. And uh, it was amazing. And, and just to see how God was moving in their lives, how he was drawing them and compelling them, it was just something amazing to see. Have you ever been drawn by the Spirit of God? You know what that feels like? Yeah. In fact, before I could give the altar call, they were starting to come already. And uh, that's, that's how God works. Genesis, that's how the Spirit of God works. Genesis chapter 3. Y'all, we're going to start in the beginning, but I'm not going to go all the way to the end. Aren't you glad? Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Now we're talking about Adam and Eve, and they're the only people right now on the earth. Uh, uh, there's some animals and all that, but Jesus has just created, finished creation. And Adam and Eve are in the garden, and a serpent comes up to uh, the woman, Eve. And this is what he says. 
Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Now, Jesus gave uh, Adam and Eve a couple of instructions. One of them was this. You can eat anything you want to, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, that's, that's one of the things he, he laid out for Adam and Eve. But the serpent says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Then the serpent said, no, nuh-uh, you ain't going to die. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. You will know good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. Also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed some fig leaves together and made some coverings for themselves. Now, Two important things I see here. God gave them instruction, don't eat from this tree. Satan comes and tells them, hey, look what he says. He says, did God really, verse 1, did God really say that? And then he said, in verse 4, well, did God really mean that? And those are two questions that Satan is still asking you today. Did God really say it? And then if you say yes, then now there's such a perversion of God's word. Satan is saying, hey, I know he said it, but did he really mean it? Surely, surely the Bible is not, you can't take it at face value today in the day that we're living in. Oh, God may have meant it then, but does he really mean it now? So he ate it. Eve ate the fruit. And then he ate. Adam ate the fruit. Then they realized they were naked. So they covered themselves. And you know what? Still today, men and women who are in sin are trying to cover themselves. They're trying to cover their, their tracks. They're trying to delete their web browser. They're trying to make sure they got all the stuff off the credit card statement. They try to hide things, make sure they dot all the I's and cross all the T's. They are constantly trying to cover themselves up. But how good do you think fig leaves would cover a naked person? I will. Ought to have to be a pretty good fig tree, pretty good size. And Eve would have to be a mighty good seamstress. And that's about as pitiful as the coverings that we try to cover ourselves with. It's about like a 
about like a fig leaf. Then the man and the wife, verse 8, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God. They hid. They hid from God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, God, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Listen, if you run long enough, if you run long enough and hide long enough, you're going to wound up lost. And there's two people I want to talk to today. Two types of people today. People who are lost inside and who are lost outside. People who are lost inside and people who are lost outside. Adam and Eve were lost inside, y'all. They weren't nobody. They walked with God in the cool of the day. God would walk with them in the garden. They had a relationship with God. They talked to God, yet they were lost. They were running and hiding. Once they sinned, sin entered into the world, sin entered into their lives. They realized they were naked. They were full of shame. They were full of guilt, and they were hiding from God. They were lost inside. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is there are people inside the church. They know church etiquette. They know how you're supposed to act in church. They know how you're supposed to talk in church. They know the songs that are being sung. They know when to stand up. They know when to sit down. But they are lost on the inside. They, are, they, they know about God, but they do not know God. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? You better hold on. Hold on. They are lost on the inside. They know the songs in the hymnal. They don't need to look at the words on the screen. When I begin to talk about a scripture, they already know what I'm going to say, yet they have not had an intimate encounter with Jesus. They are lost on the inside. They may serve in the church. They may sing on this stage. They may be a deacon in a church, but they are lost on the inside. They may know how to get to church, but they have never been to God. They are lost on the inside. They know where the church is at, but they don't know how to call on Jesus. They are lost on the inside. You ever heard the story of the prodigal son? story of the prodigal son we know that story right this man this young man uh, asked his father for inheritance go ahead and give me my inheritance daddy I can't wait for you to die so could I go ahead and have it now and his daddy gave it to him and he spends all of his money the Bible says he spends all his money on sinful living he's broke he's busted 
He's disgusted. The Bible says that he attaches himself to a some farmer. He becomes a slave, starving to death. He kneels down. One of his jobs was to take care of the hogs. And he kneels down, starving, and he begins to pick up the slop out of the trough. And then the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? This is not who I am. This may be where I'm at, but this is not who I am. And he, he thinks back to how good it was at his daddy's house. He begins to think about the servants at his daddy's house, how they had bread, so much bread, so much food, that his servants would get full, but before they'd go back to their room, they'd take and put bread in their pockets. And he began to think about how it was at daddy's house. And then the Bible tells us that he prepares this speech. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father's house. But y'all have heard me preach this a thousand times. I'm going to go back to my father's house and uh, I'm going to tell him I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant. He says, yeah, that's what I'll say. And he goes to his father. Y'all, but where was daddy at? Where was daddy at? Daddy wasn't in the house. Daddy didn't forget about his son. The Bible says the daddy was down the road waiting for his son to come home. And there he sees his son. And, and, and the boy, the young boy is getting ready to say what he had planned on saying. But he couldn't get it out because grace interrupted him. Love interrupted him. And he said, I'm no more worthy to be called your and then daddy spoke up and said, wait just a minute, get, a, get my robe, get my rings, get my shoes, kill the fatted calf. My son who was lost has now found his way back home. Oh, I thank God for the prodigal story. But that ain't even what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the older son. See, the prodigal son was lost outside. But now I'm talking about people who are lost inside. And if you look at Luke chapter uh, 15, verse 25, now the young son's come back. Now the older son was in the field. And he came near the house. And he heard music and dancing. Oh, Lord. And he summoned one of his servants and he said, what's going on? Why, why are they dancing? Why are they singing? Why are they having a party? Why are they acting so happy? And the servant said, oh, you didn't hear? You didn't hear? Your younger brother is here. And your daddy is throwing a party. Oh, and the Bible says in the next verse that the older brother got angry, y'all. He got mad, upset. So his father came out and pleaded with him. 
But he replied to his father and said, Look, I've been slaving for you for years. And you ain't, and I have never, oh Lord, disobeyed your orders. Y'all, he's a liar. <laughs> never. I have never not done what you've told me to do. How many knows he's lying right now? How many knows? Huh? Oh, Lord. I've always done what you told me to do. Look, but you never gave me a, a goat, a, a barbecue. You've never thrown me a party uh, so I could celebrate with my friends. Look, next verse. Now listen to this self-righteousness. But when this son of yours, oh, Lord, how nasty. It's his brother. He couldn't say my brother. He said, this son of yours. I think my wife said the same thing about Judah. When he's acting crazy, she'll say, this son of yours. He's devoured all your money with prostitutes. Wait just a minute. If he knew where he was at, why didn't he go get him? Different message for a different day. And he slaughtered you, but you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. And then his daddy said, but son, you've been with me. Oh, you've always been with me. And everything I have is yours. But this son, the older son, oh no, he didn't spend all his money on prostitutes. He wasn't out there shaming his father's name, but he was still lost because he didn't know he was his father's son. He was still working, trying to earn something from the father. Trying, are y'all listening to me? Trying to prove something uh, to the father. He was lost on the inside. Lost inside. How about Judas? Judas was in the inner circle. You know Judas? The one that betrayed Jesus? Sold him out for some silver? Judas had the best preacher. The best teacher. He seen Jesus perform miracles. He seen Jesus turn water into wine. He seen Jesus heal the sick. He was in the inner circle with Jesus, but he was lost. He was lost on the inside. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? Do you hear what pastor's saying? I'm saying you can be raised up in church, but not raised up in Christ. You can go to church every day, but until you go to the cross, mm, I feel like preaching. I don't know if my voice will let me, but 
if, if, if you could go to church day in and day out, but if you haven't been to the cross, if you haven't cried hot tears, I'm talking about hot tears. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When hot tears roll down your face, if you haven't repented, if you haven't confessed to God and said, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, you can go to church all you want to. You can know all the songs. You can know everybody, but nothing will change until you know Jesus. I'm afraid there's a lot of people lost on the inside. My grandmother told me of a man. He's dead now. I hope he went to heaven. Throw me a water, babe. Please. Thank you. Talk so much yourselves. She told me about this man that she'd done some kind of, if I say it like that, it'll sound bad. I, I, oh, yes. <laughs> she had business with this man. Done business with this man. Okay. And uh, they were looking for a pastor. He would always ask her about the church. And she'd tell him about what was going on and he would say, wow, wow, really? He'd say, yeah, we're needing a pastor. And uh, we're looking for one, but it's hard to find one with our stipulations. Well, my grandmother was curious about what their stipulations were. Y'all ain't got to ever worry about me being the pastor of this church I'm talking about. Because they start at 11 and everything's got to be done at 11.40. She said, but what if it's not? She, he said, well, we just walk out. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We like to start and we like to know when we're going to end because we got to get home. A lot of us got diabetes and we have to eat at a certain time. I thought, oh God, bring a lunch. Get you, put you some insulin on ice. But you know what? There's more people like that than there isn't. They got a form of godliness, but they deny the power. They want the word, but they don't want Jesus. They want church, but they don't want Jesus. But give me Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus more than anything else. Take all your programs. Take all the talent and and flush it down the commode. If I've got to trade that for Jesus, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I still believe, also let me just tell you this, I still believe that Jesus is coming back. 
I don't know how that works with your theology. I don't know if you'd rather him not. It don't matter, he's coming. I don't know if you got plans that you'd like to see happen before he comes. I'm sorry, he's coming. He is coming. But I, I'm sad to say in my spirit, when he comes, a lot of churches will still be having church. They'll still be singing. Nothing will change because they'll never know Jesus came and they'll never know Jesus left because Jesus hasn't been there in 30 years. Some of y'all heard that. Y'all hear that shuttle come? Some of y'all thought the rapture took place. Here's the facts. He is coming back. But there's going to be a lot of people that went to church every day but never went to the cross who are going to be left behind. But oh God, help us today. Today is the day of salvation. If you're lost inside, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you right now in this church. You're watching online. He's calling you. Come home. Those people are lost inside. Judas was lost inside. The older son was lost inside. Adam and Eve were lost inside. Nicodemus, you know Nicodemus, John chapter three? Nicodemus was lost inside, y'all. He was a, if you would have asked somebody, who's the most godliest man you know? They would have said Nicodemus. But Nicodemus was trying to earn relationship with God through keeping the law. But something was going on in the heart of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus snuck out. He was a Pharisee. And he snuck out one night. And he met Jesus at night and Jesus said to him, I mean before Nicodemus could ever get a word out, Jesus knew what was going on in the heart of Nicodemus and he said, Nick, you're going to have to quit trying. You ain't never going to obtain what you're trying to obtain, but if you're going to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You can go to church all you want, but if you're not born again, you're not going to heaven. You can carry yourself to church, but you'll continue to carry guilt, shame, and unforgiveness until you carry yourself to Christ. Nicodemus was lost inside. But also the Bible shows us the people who were lost outside. Outcast. They wouldn't have never, wasn't never invited into the church, y'all. The leper, Luke chapter 5. You know what leprosy is? It was a skin disease where your skin, your flesh would rot. It'd kill you. You stunk, your flesh was rotting off of the bone. It was highly contagious. And while Jesus was in town one day, um, there was a man there who had leprosy all over him. And he saw Jesus. Listen to me now. I love the word of God. He saw Jesus and he fell face down. And he begged him. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now listen, listen, wait just a minute. You need to know this about a leper. 
You need to know this. If you were a leper, you couldn't be around healthy people. The Bible tells us in Leviticus how the leper had to carry themselves. They couldn't comb their hair. They couldn't cut their hair. It had to be a mess. They had to cover the lower part of their face. Anytime they got around somebody, they'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Nobody could touch them. Nobody could have anything to do with them. They were an outcast. They had places for them to go to be just with other lepers. But this leper who didn't know church etiquette, he didn't know how you're supposed to act. Oh God, and they're coming. And they may be here right now today. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care what you've done last night. I don't care what you've done last week. I don't care where you've been and what you've done and how long you've done it. If you came to this house today, I want to tell you Jesus is here. And he'll save you, cleanse you, and forgive you of your sin. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Won't he? Won't he? Won't he? Yes, he will. Won't he? Y'all know about, y'all know about her, don't you? Alicia, you know about her. She was the one who said, uh, I was talking about people who, they don't want to give in to Jesus and they just hold on to the back of the seats and they, they know they need to get saved but they don't want to get saved. Or they want to get saved but they just, they're fighting it. You know what I mean? And Alicia told me one day, she said, you know, Pastor, I heard you talking about that. And she said, I used to be that person. And she said, I can spot them out. Take a look. Come on. She said, I know what they look like. Let me tell you something about Alicia, too. Now, you put this on, on social media for everybody to see. So it ain't a secret. You told your testimony. I heard it. I never said nothing about it, but I heard it. It was on Instagram, and it was on all those, all that stuff, TikTok till you drop, and all that. <laughs> and I heard it. And I, but I'm more than hearing it. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, she said, "I was a sinner. I didn't want nothing to do with church. I didn't want nothing to do with God. I was in." The, I was dabbling in a homosexual lifestyle. But one day, God got a hold of me and he radically changed my life. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Won't. He'll do it. He done it for her. He'll do it for you. Changed my life. Saved my soul. Filled, filled her with the Holy Ghost. Hey! And he's still doing it today. I said he's still doing it today.
today. This leper, outcast, lost, outside, has no idea about how to act and how to do church. And he falls at the feet of Jesus. He falls at the feet of Jesus. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand. And I seen this this morning when I was preaching. Oh, hallelujah. I thought, see, Mosaic law says you can't touch leprosy. Jesus never broke the law. So what happened? When he reached down and touched this leper. When Jesus reached down, leprosy was running away. The closer he got, he couldn't touch leprosy. The closer he got, leprosy didn't come into him. Healing virtue flew out of him onto this leper. You know what leprosy does? It leaves scars. If you're a leper, you always look like a leper. Not unless unless Jesus gets a hold of you. And this leper's skin looked just like beautiful baby skin. And he said, go back <coughs> to the priest and give them an offering. Because they ain't even going to believe that you even had leprosy. They ain't going to believe it. And I'm telling you, some of y'all, y'all got a testimony and people can't even believe what you've been through. Some of y'all right now, let me tell you, some of y'all right now, you going through it right now, you haven't given your life to Jesus. Can you turn this up or maybe it's loud enough? I don't know, but I feel like I'm about to strip a gear. Do you hear me? Now, I'm telling you, Listen, some of you ain't saved yet. You haven't given your life to Jesus yet. But hear me, hear me. When you do today, I'm talking in faith. When you give your life to Jesus today, listen, people are going to look at your life and think, my God, I don't know how you went through that. I don't know how you've been through all that and had it. And still here today. And you can say, but God, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here if God wouldn't have touched me. How about the prostitute? Oh, she she comes to Jesus in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, Jesus is at a Pharisee's house. And the way the houses were, it was open to the street, to the public, especially where they were eating. And Jesus was reclining and popping grapes and talking to the Pharisee. And this woman who was a prostitute hears that Jesus is there. And she busts up in the house. She don't know how to act. You know how she how she acts? Like somebody who's been touched by the Lord. They don't care. Listen. People who have been radically changed by God, they don't care about man's tradition. They don't care about what should have been or what should be or what, how we ought to act. All they know is they are in love with Jesus and Jesus loves them and they are no longer shackled and chained to their past. They can't keep quiet and they can't keep still. 
She barges into that Pharisee's house, doesn't knock on the door, and she falls at the feet of Jesus. And she begins to pour out alabaster, breaks the seal on the alabaster jar and pours this oil and perfume on the feet of Jesus. Oh, she's crying. And tears are dropping off of her cheeks onto the feet of Jesus. And then she takes her hair and she wipes his feet, dries, washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. And the Pharisee says, well, if under his breath to another Pharisee, if he was really a prophet, he would know who is touching him. She is a sinner. Wrong. She was a sinner. Huh? Jesus. See, he was a prophet. What he knew, he knew more than this Pharisee knew. Because see, what I believe happened, the Bible doesn't say this, but we've just got to believe this because if it wasn't this, she wouldn't have went into that Pharisee's house and done what she'd done. But at some point, maybe on the way, Jesus was headed to the Pharisee's house. I don't know, but she came in contact with Jesus. There would, that she would have not been pouring out worship upon Jesus, Jesus if she was a sinner. No, no. Her... Her prostituting days were over. She was now, she was a worshiper. She was interested in the things of God. She didn't care what people thought about her and what they said about her. She found her way to the feet of Jesus and she began to worship him. Go to the end of that chapter, or that, that, the next part, whatever it is, verse 44, 39. There it is. Turning to the woman, he said to the Pharisee, You see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, washed my feet and wipe them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Next verse. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. I got in here today and you didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loves much. But the one who's forgiven little loves little. Then he said to this outcast, this woman lost on the outside, he said to her, I think for a second time, your sins are forgiven. In other words, in other words, Jesus was saying to her, get up. You ain't, don't be scared of him no more. He is a self-righteous Pharisee. But you are greater in my kingdom than any self-righteous Pharisee.
full of them. See, if you're so full of yourself, you ain't got no room for Jesus. Listen, I just let me just say this. I I I can do more with a hundred. No, 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 no. I can do more with ten X drug addict whoring around X whore arounds X manipulators and liars I can do more for the kingdom of God with ten redeemed people like that than I can with a hundred rich self-righteous Pharisees Oh, God, give me some people who are hungry for you. Get ready. Get ready. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Hallelujah. Sit down, sit down. The leper, the prostitute. How about the thief lost on the outside? The thief on the cross. Think about this. Here Jesus has bore upon his body the sin of humanity. He is in physical, emotional, and spiritual anguish. There's a thief on the other side, at one side of him, cursing him and mocking him. And with all this going on, nails, y'all, driven into his wrist. They weren't in his palm because that wouldn't hold you up. So they drive it right through the wrist. Are you listening? Right through his feet. Above the ankle. There he's hanging. Not to mention he's already been whipped. Beaten to a pulp. His tethered body. Ravaged back. Open. Rubbing up against that rough cut being called a cross. And with all this going on and someone on the left mocking him, hanging on a cross right beside him, with a crowd that's insulting him, making fun of him, with all that going on, he's still working. How do I know? Because on the other side of the cross was another thief. And he looks at the thief who's mocking Jesus. And he said, will you shut up? Leave him alone. We we are justified in being on this cross. But this man has done nothing wrong. We deserve what we've done. But this man's done nothing wrong. And then this thief cuts his eyes 
over there to Jesus with everything that's going on with Jesus this thief looks at Jesus and says Jesus remember me oh God Oh, can you imagine the love of a, love of the love of Jesus that with all that going on, he'd have a, he'd have enough on his. He's got so much on his mind and so much pain he's going through. But with all that he's going through, he'd have room enough to remember a thief on a cross who deserved crucifixion. He said, "Will you remember me? Will he not remember you? Does he not care about you?" Does he not love you? Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus cuts his eyes, swollen, contusions on his head, beaten beard plucked out. Jesus looks over at him and says, I tell you, today, I know what you've done yesterday. I know what you've done. I know why you're here. But today, you will be with me in paradise. What a love! What a love! Do you hear me, ma'am? Do you hear me, sir? What a love! What manner of man is this? What kind of love is this? This is a perfect love. This is a selfless love. This is a God love. This is a ransoming love. This is a rescuing love. This is a redeeming love. This is the love of God. This is the love of God, ma'am. You hear me? It's the love of God. And here's the good thing about it. It's for today. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh, I'm so glad for a God who thinks about today, who works in today, who can change my today, which will change all of my tomorrows and erase all my yesterdays. That is the love of a God. Today you're either lost inside or you're lost outside. But no matter where you're at today and no matter how lost you seem to be. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. Oh, I'm about to... The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. 
whether you're lost inside or you're lost outside, whether you were raised in church or you've never been to church in your life, this is the tenth time or the first time. I'm telling you today, Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to find you and he came to free you. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Here's the gospel. The gospel is not man looking up to God and reaching out to God. Uh-uh. It's God reaching down to man. See, you can't get saved without the Father drawing you. I want to end with this. Ephesians, and I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving right now in the lives of people in this church right now, online. I would would ask you to be reverent for just a few minutes because... The greatest miracle on the face of the earth is someone giving their life to Jesus. I don't know what you've got going on, but could you give it just a second and wait because God wants to do a miracle. Ephesians chapter 2, whether you're lost inside or lost outside, this is what it says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedience. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and our thoughts. We've done what we wanted to do. We were by nature children under wrath. We deserve hell. We deserve wrath. But God. I need some musicians and some singers. I need some musicians and some singers. But God. I was on my way to hell. I deserved damnation. I deserved wrath. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love that he had loved us, made us alive with Christ. I was a sinner, but God. I'm lost. I was lost, but God. No matter where you're at today, you can have a but God moment. But God moment today, right now. No matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, God is wanting to save you today. Just like I watched him save three people this morning in the nine o'clock service. He's wanting to save you today. He's wanting to save you today. All you got to do is call on him. What do I have to do, pastor? Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Stand with me all across this building right now. 
Father, right now, if there are people in this building, and I know there are, who are not saved, now is the time for them to give their life to you. It is time now for them to receive you. Not to put it off for another moment or another day. Now is the time. Now is the day. I want you to look at, no, close your eyes. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Right now, if you're not saved and you're ready to receive Jesus right now as your Lord, you don't, you don't know Jesus like I'm talking about. You haven't had an intimate encounter with Jesus that will change your life. You haven't received this Jesus. And you're ready. I want you to lift your hands right now. All across this building. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. Come on, lift it up high. Hands went up all across this building. All right. I'm going to ask you. You raised your hand. Step out. Step out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Step out. Come on. Come on, girl. Come on, you ready? Come on. Come on. Come on. Who else? Who else? Who else? Hey, come here. Look at you. Let me, you. Hey, come on. Come on. Well, I don't know why. You've you cried the whole service. And you, you raised your hands. Come on. Come on. I want, you to, I want you to do this with me right now. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. There was a man in the Bible. He had four good friends. He was paralyzed and he couldn't get to Jesus, but he had four good friends. This friend, these four good friends loaded, loaded him up on a stretcher and took him to where Jesus was. I'm asking you right now to be a good friend to somebody. I want you to look to the person to the left of you or to the right of you. And I want you to ask them, if you, you didn't go yet, but if Jesus is dealing with you right now and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'll go down there with you. Ask them right now. And take them by the hand and go. Take them by the hand and go. If they say they don't know, if they ain't sure, take them by the hand. Come on. Right now, ask them. Ask them. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? I want to give you an opportunity. Amen. Are you sure? Amen. All right. I want you to look at
destinies getting saved today. Anybody else today? Anybody else? Why God's moving? Why God's moving? Why God's moving? Why God's moving? Let's pray this prayer together. Are you ready? Let's pray this prayer together. Come on. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord today? All right. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Lift your hands right now this way towards these people. I want us to pray this together. Listen. A prayer doesn't save you, but faith does. So you got to believe what you're praying, all right? Are you ready? Everybody say it with me. Say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. I heard the word today. I need you. I'm tired of running from you. Instead of running from you, I'm going to run to you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. And I'm going to live for you. I receive your goodness, grace, love and mercy I receive it today my sins are forgiven I give you all my hurt I receive your forgiveness today and I believe in Jesus name that I am saved can, amen. Can you give God a shout of praise? Now, I want you to lift your hands towards, what's your name? Mackenzie, for her brother Rodney. Lift your hand. We're going to pray for Rodney. Father, you know where Rodney's at? I don't know. But God, I pray that you'd get a hold of Rodney in the name of Jesus. And God, there is no distance complication in prayer, God. And we call out Rodney's name to you and we pray, God, that you would get a hold of him and save him, deliver him from addiction, deliver him from bondage right now. In the name of Jesus, set him free, God. Sober him up so that he can call out on your name right now, Jesus, we pray. Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can somebody give God a shout of praise? Listen, if you got saved today, they want you to fill out this card, and they're right around there. 
right by you, sneaking up on you to get you to fill it out. I wonder, I know it's late, but I wonder if anybody could give God praise for the miracles that we've seen today. No, give God praise. Come on, give God praise. I love you. I'm praying for you. Go out in power. Go out in boldness. I'll see you next week. See you Wednesday. Wednesday, church this Wednesday. God bless you. I love you. Praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.